Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Kicks and Picks Podcast. You notice that there are only two faces on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. You'll only hear two voices here at the beginning if you are listening on your favorite pod platform. It's Coach Steve and Scotty here with you. Scott, Nick Tulsi had worked in her last minute. I think it has something to do with what Lazio did last weekend. I don't know. What do you think? Super duper suspicious. Uh, I think we were just talking before we started to record and we knew there's something fishy going on yesterday with Nick and Lo and behold, a, a mysterious last second work dinner has uh, materialized in front of our very eyes right before we hit the record button. So it's just you and me, coach. And uh, yeah, I think Nick is ducking us. I mean, anytime you lose to Lecce 2-1, to one, it's, a, it's a tough, tough take your medicine. So Nick, MIA, but luckily at least the, the two of us can, can make an appearance. Yeah, 2-1 to Lecce when they were up one nothing, And I think it was about the 83rd minute they gave the first one. Second one was a couple minutes after that. A little poetic justice for Romanisti like myself because the guy who scored the winning goal is Eusebio Di Francesco's son, former Roma manager who took him to the semifinals of the Champions League before they lost to your squad about five years ago now. So all these little connections always make football a, a fun time, especially with the rivalries. So Nick is not here. Scott and I are. We will start by recapping the weekend that was. We will get into our locks of the weekend and we have a guest for you later who we'll introduce in just a bit. So, Scotty, on the weekend, we went six and four. Uh, we were up just about two units on the weekend, which improves our season record to 11, eight, and one. And that is a 3.1 unit positive for us so far through two weeks. How are you feeling? You got you picked up your first win last week, and uh, we showed some improvement overall as well. Yeah, I did. I finally got on the board. Um, honestly, even the the Liverpool Bournemouth pick, I took a long shot at at Bournemouth plus eight hundred, and through the first fifteen twenty minutes, that didn't look too bad. Bournemouth scored first; they were definitely on the front foot for most of it. But uh, Liverpool got their shit together, uh, scored three unanswered, even though they picked up a what some are calling a phantom red card with Alexis McAllister, um, but they held on to win. So, although my bet did not cash, the the plus eight hundred would have for sure been a a pod uh record for a, a single pick uh unit spread um but that's okay we we live to tell another tale um and as you mentioned we're up on the season so that's really the important part uh and something to build on uh and we're learning we're learning a lot about these teams um i think this weekend in in the premier league uh you're starting to see a little bit of separation now on like who of the people of the teams coming in that had higher expectations are are seem at least suited to to meet those expectations and who are kind of falling short right now um you know i, I did my my power rankings on our, our patreon account uh and i had uh, i think tottenham uh making an appearance in, in the top six i think they are a pretty pleasant surprise under under the new manager they've, they've certainly haven't lacked in the goal scoring department like i think some of them some people may have been concerned about with harry kane leaving so that's a, a certainly a big you know, plus for them, uh, they got to figure out their defense a little bit, um, but looked okay against United this weekend. Um, I have Brentford up there right now. Um, don't know if they'll stay up there for for a, a, the duration of the season, but so far they've been playing pretty well. Um, smacked Fulham this weekend, 3-0. Um, big win, especially on the road at Craven Cottage. So yeah. a lot to feel good about if uh, if you're a fan of the Bees. Uh, and then uh, I think the real surprise right now is, is Brighton. Um, you know, course they had a great season last season but they've been selling off a lot of their key players and almost reminiscent of kind of how Leicester got picked apart when uh after they won their their championship um Brighton are similarly getting picked apart now uh midfields are midfields getting you know sold off for hundreds of millions of pounds to at to different teams at chunks at a time um defense is getting picked apart so 
but they haven't missed a beat. You know, they're one of three teams with Arsenal and City to have all six points through the first two matches. Um, so they're kind of uh, a beacon of, of how some of these, uh, I don't want to call them mid-table, almost feels disrespectful, but um, how some of these mid-table clubs are, are, are trying to be run. Um, and I didn't even mention they lost their manager too. So it's not even just like they have one guy that has kind of carried them, similar to how Brentford has had Thomas Frank carry them for their whole Premier League journey. You know, they've been doing it under two different managers at this point. So um, some real some real contenders out there. I think uh, it's cer- certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, and then, you know, some guys that aren't doing so well. Um, Chelsea, I think, has been a... a I don't want to say a pleasant disappointment because I think that's a little bit mean, but uh, there's been, you know, no shortage of stories about how much they've spent over the last year, year and a half. And uh, seeing them struggle mightily to start the season um, is, is, should be concerning for, for fans of the club. Um, Obviously injuries have a lot to do with it, but uh, doesn't change the fact that if you spend a billion pounds and three transfer windows, you know, you should be able to weather four or five injured players, but they seemingly haven't been able to figure that out yet. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, that's really where we're at in the premier league right now. Um, anything that you've kind of noticed or you want to touch upon? Yeah. I just want to give that shout out to Brighton. We took them as our, our pod lock against wolves. I, I remember the, the number was pretty good. I think it was minus one ten. I'm going to double check since I have it pulled up. Yeah. Minus, minus one ten. We yep. had them at wolves solid hit and and they made it look easy i mean four goals against a wolves team that frustrated man U the week before and you know i don't know if that's a, an indictment on man U or you know if wolves just out overperformed against united and just had a clunker the other day but brighton looks real good i think maybe the best way to call these teams if so not to disrespect them by calling them mid tables maybe non-traditional powers because brighton <laughs> is is competing with the big boys now you know i don't yeah. think they're gonna make a push for the title I'd, I'd be a bit surprised because the competition's so you know diverse at the top of the table so many of those sides are have reinforced but i think it speaks volumes to the to the recruitment and the scouting of brighton because they sell these players like you mentioned they don't miss a beat you know they sold McAllister and caicedo this offseason that was two-thirds of their midfield in, in the 4-3-3 that deserved and, and trossard so, was sold to arsenal in january yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and and I think they just brought in two um, South American players that you know I didn't recognize their names. I'm not a, a South American soccer scout, so um, but it, I have every reason to believe that I'm sure in the next year or two we'll probably uh, see them grow at Brighton, and, and maybe they're the next ones to move on. But yeah, like, like I said, they're kind of the model of of how a lot of these you know emerging clubs want to be run because they're able to you know find great talent out of you know the non traditional markets. They they bring them in for a reasonable sum. Um, they develop them, they, they get the benefit of, you know, their, their talent and, and, you know, see them climb up the table. So obviously that helps them financially. And then they turn around and sell them, um, and make a profit and then start that process all over again. So it's a good way to sustain yourselves when your, your commercial income is, is, you know, not at the same level as some of these traditional top six clubs, but, um, you know, hopefully over time, if they can kind of keep that up for a series of few seasons, they get a few seasons in Europe, maybe that commercial income you know, comes with it and, and then they can kind of be a little bit more sustained and they don't have to rely on, you know, making sure every South American player or, um, you know, Belgian player that comes in is, is a, a, a smash hit, right. They can kind of deal with a few misses here and there. Yeah. And I guess to make a Serie A comparison, since we cover those two leagues, it's very reminiscent of what Adelante has done over the past five years or so with Gasparini and, and the owner Percassi and the way they've built those sides, finding those players from non-traditional markets, selling them at high profits, a few Italian players as well, but, 
a lot of guys that come from, you know, Zapata and Maria have been a big part. They're both Colombian and, and they, they've gotten guys that maybe were on, not on the outs with their club and maybe not performing up to expectations or like you said, guys that they've found like Hoyland, right? Look at the money they just made off him going to Manchester United came from Denmark, played one season. He's gone for big bucks. So I think I definitely think these clubs like that, that come from smaller cities, less traditional markets that are going to pull in those big commercial dollars. They just have to have a good system. And those two clubs have, have proven to, to be able to do that. And now I don't know if Brighton will follow the same path. I don't want to start to spend a little money in the past few years because they're so financially stable that they were able to drop 30 million euros on Gianluca Scamacca, outbid Inter and Roma, more traditional clubs in Italy. And I'm wondering if at what point we're going to see Brighton maybe in another year or two, not splash the cash all the time like a Chelsea, but maybe here and there, pick a player that's coming out of you know a lower table club that is intriguing to them and fits their project well. And I'm, I'm curious when that starts to happen too. Yeah, and they can do that with, you know, top players at, you know, at clubs in, in, in other leagues like La Liga, right? Like you can go into an Atletico and, and maybe buy a, a midfielder for 50 or 60 and, and 50, 60 million pounds and, and know that he's been established in a top league. And there's a good chance that he'll succeed in, in the premier league and that you don't have to take that much of a risk, but there's still certainly room for development beyond that. Um, yeah. I think, I think a, a good counterpoint, a good foil to kind of how well Brighton's being run is, is, is a club like Everton right now who are, exactly what people are, are trying to avoid even if you have some money coming in like newcastle where you, you can suddenly start to spend and, and hopefully uh move your, yourselves up in the echelon of the premier league everton you know we talked about them all season last season as being a potential relegation candidate they've nearly uh were relegated the past two seasons i think there's a little bit of hope that maybe sean dyche is a you know quality enough manager that it maybe they don't have to be in that conversation as much this year maybe they sit in the mid table and and have some spells where they're they're not looking great, but they started the season in a rough shape. Um, they had their home opener soiled by by Fulham and kind of what a smash and grab type game where I think they Everton dominated possession. They had more shots on target and, and Fulham managed to grab a, a goal in like the 75th minute or something like that. And, and so Everton were left empty handed. And then this weekend they got absolutely dominated by Aston Villa. I mean, Aston Villa did not look great in their opening match against Newcastle, no, but not at all. A, a home match against Everton, I guess, cures all ills because they just absolutely destroyed Everton for nothing. And then they actually won today as we we are recording this in Europa League five, nothing. So um, I, I guess that's a nice little way to tune yourself up before a, a European matches is just kind of beat up on Everton. But um, it feels like Everton are going to be in that conversation now in the relegation battle, at least to start the season. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's the Premier League for this past week. Talking just a little bit about Serie A, they had their opening weekend this past week. Uh, some of the traditional powers, Milan, Juve, Inter, all won pretty pretty convincingly, I'd say, all clean sheet victories uh, for all of our U.S. you know men's national team supporters. Christian Pulisic, very nice goal in his uh, debut with Milan. I wonder how much of the Chelsea effect being away is going to help him. I mean, that, that'll be kind of a, a little bit of a experiment or something you could call it like see him in a different environment see if that really helps get him back on track uh Adelanta two nothing win that's a team that we are targeting as a you know going to be a, a tough contender this this year for top four we mentioned Lazio that was a a big bust on their part they look like they're cruising to win Nick had the money line I know in his picks luckily Chiro Immobile did score their only goal so it helped us hit one of our patron props we, we were profitable there and said yeah goal scorer props I was kicking myself for not picking 
the right striker for Roma to score goals because Andrea Belotti had a brace. Huge for Roman fans like myself after he scored literally zero league goals last year as Tammy Abraham's understudy. Kind of weird to call him an understudy because he's a veteran, but, you know, his backup. And uh, he started off with a bang. That was a Roma without Paolo Dybala and without Lorenzo Pellegrini. Ended up drawing 2-2 because Antonio Pandreva turned back the clock with two wonder goals. So uh, Roma dropped points. Lazio dropped points. Everybody else in the in the thick of things, you know, at least in the early projections for top four, all won. Napoli won after giving up an early penalty kick at newcomers Frosinone. Fiorentina, big winner, 4-1 against another newly big run on win. side. Double double Genoa. double bet win for us too because I think uh, we had total yeah. over and we had Fiorentina money line. Yeah, Nick had the over two and a half in that one. Fiorentina hit it themselves, and I think the first half with three goals, I had Viola money line, so that was a double winner for us. Uh, Adelanta team total that two nothing win was big for Nick. It took them a while to break through against Sassuolo, but they got those two goals to hit there. Uh, we did pretty well in in Serie A this weekend because our patron props we hit two out of four. Uh, we were a marginal, you know, not marginal, but an, an offside in the buildup for Giacomo Raspadori from hitting a third. And like I said, if I had put Belotti in, like my gut was telling me and not El Shirari, like my brain told me after last season, uh, we could, we were really close to going four for four. So nice weekend for us in Serie A. Not as nice for Nick and my sides as they, there were only two to drop points of the, the bigger clubs in, in the peninsula. So we'll hope for better. Um, but overall betting wise said, I was pretty good to us last weekend. Yeah. And it's interesting too. And it wasn't just that you guys dropped points. I mean, it was in the manner too. you know, Roma and, and Lazio last season were pretty strong defensively and for both sides to concede two goals, uh, to lower table, uh, teams, it kind of raised a few eyebrows in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know if that was somewhat, uh, expected from your side, but it, you know, typically we talk about Roma and Lazio where we're usually hammering the unders. So if the fact that both of those matches went over because, their defense has failed them. Um, certainly a little interesting to start the season. I can say 95% of the time or so, Roma wins that match based on the overall gameplay in that match. It was two really, really nice goals, especially the second one. So um, the over may be a little surprising because Roma scored two and gave up two. That didn't happen a lot last year, but the manner in which Salernitana scored two, most weeks it doesn't happen. So I'm not as concerned as some people might be just by looking at the score line for sure. It was, a, it was an XG of 0.14. And I mean, that says they didn't create much. It's actually interesting. I think five matches in Serie A went over um, last weekend. Lazio, Roba, and Juve were three of them. I um, wonder how often yeah. that's going to happen this season. Yeah, Juve, that that to me was a, a bit of a surprise that they scored three goals so easily against Udinese. Not that Udinese is that great. I know they sold off a little talent and, you know, all in the first like half, Juve too. scoring. Yeah, Juve scoring three in the first half. It was surprising for sure. Nick's boy, Adrian Rabiot, picking up the third. Yeah. Um, wonder if you had him as an anytime goal scorer. Probably not. Probably. Um, <laughs> and then I think the other one, I mean, Napoli got it done, but they, they kind of started off a little shaky. Um, yeah. I think they conceded first. I don't know. Was it a penalty? Penalty um, kick in the seventh minute, yeah. So not not exactly how you want to start your uh, title defense, but you know they got it together. Similar to Liverpool, you know, scored three unanswered, so they get the three points in the end. But um, yeah, definitely a, a little bit of a shaky start for them. Yeah, I think they'll be a little more vulnerable this year. I think selling Kim to Byron is going to be a bigger loss than maybe some people would expect because the the focus is so often on the attack with Carvajalia and Osimhen, who scored a brace himself this week. But I think there'll be uh, a few more goals conceded in Naples this year. Yeah, something to keep an eye on. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's only one match in the season, but uh, there really weren't any like 
performances from any of these lower table teams that were surprisingly bad. I think they all kind of fared pretty well. Maybe you can make a case for Genoa and and, and how they got you know handled at home, but yeah, um, you know, a lot of them put up a, a decent match, and uh, we're interested to see how that that battle kind of shapes out over the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure, and it'll be interesting to see how teams like Frozen Own and Genoa bounce back from those those defeats. Right, that first game back at home. Um, you know, Genoa is more of a traditional club than Frozenone, but both got handled in their first year back in, in Seti after being down last year. Uh, Cagliari ended up getting a draw on the road, so they actually had the best result of the three newly promoted sides. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. I think Genoa's got enough talent to stay up. Frozenone, I have a feeling, could be that 20th place team this year. Yeah, we didn't really see odds for for relegation in, in Serie A um, beforehand, but I'm sure if, if they had them out, Rosanone would probably be pretty heavy. They they were the they were the favorite to be relegated. Yeah. All right. So it takes us to our picks, right? Yeah, I think uh, it's a good, good way to transition, going from futures to the picks. Um, so maybe I'll kick things off. Um, I'm going to go back to the well. I've taken this team two consecutive uh, weeks already, so I'm going to keep going with the third. And it's going to be Tottenham money line. Um, they're plus 100 at Burnmouth. Uh, I talked about Tottenham. I have them in my top six for for power rankings. I think uh, the way that they've been playing is is a pleasant surprise. Um, certainly haven't dropped any in, in the goal scoring department. Um, and, and I think that's a, a reassuring sign for things to come this season. Um, Burnmouth, on the other hand, uh, didn't look great overall against Liverpool. They had a good first 15 minutes, but uh, after that, the, the level dropped off pretty significantly. And even after Liverpool went down a man after the uh, McAllister red card, Burnmouth never really took it to them. Um, usually, you'd like to see a lower table tie, a lower table side with basically nothing to lose in, in that match, right? They're not coming into Liverpool expecting to come out with three points, but once you get a a, a man advantage, I'd expect them to play a little bit more determined and, and take some more risks. But um, never really pressured Liverpool, um, so I, I don't see them doing too much in this one. I think Tottenham. You know, they've scored multiple goals in each of their first two matches. I think that's a trend that continues in this one as well. So if you'd like the team total over one and a half, by all means. But um, Tottenham money line, even money here, I think that's a, a really good value. And um, we talk about it sometimes early in the season. Books take a little bit to, to catch up to how teams are playing versus their expectations. And I think this is what's happening with Tottenham. I think they're getting a little undervalued or uh, by books right now. Um, so as long as that's the case, I'm going to keep riding them in, until the wheels come off. Yeah, especially coming off, you know, the win and the draw. They got about three, four points in their first two matches. When you see them at even money on against one of the, you know, lower half clubs, I think you always have to take one of those those big six clubs when you get that kind of number, especially if they're coming off a win. Yeah, and and, and I don't even know that Sun has really gotten going yet. You know, they've gotten goals from some non-traditional names so far. Um, actually, I think Ben Davies' goal ended up getting converted into an own goal, but um, from from United, but it's it's coming from all different parts of the squad right now. So I think they, they have every opportunity to get, like I said, a couple goals here, maybe three like Liverpool. Uh, and I don't see Burnmouth being able to keep up with that. Yeah. All right. My first one, I'm going to the Bundesliga. One of my biggest regrets last weekend was not taking union Berlin on Sunday morning. At Your even team. Money. Even money at home. And they, they just cruised to victory four one against Mainz. I, I was kicking myself all day on Sunday for that one because it wasn't it's not every day you get a team like that at home, especially the way they performed last year at Eva Money. So I'm going with them this weekend. They're at Darmstadt, one of the newly promoted sides in the Bundesliga. Money line for Union is minus 110. I'm going back to the well with the team that I, I rode last season a lot um, on the way to the Champions League berth. 
And um, I, I like them traveling to the newly promoted side, especially coming off a four goal performance because they were not a big scoring team last year. So I'm hoping they got a couple of them again this week and they can uh, cash it close to even money. Yeah, there's nothing worse than when your like go to squad that you rode all last season yep. gets an easy win in the opening match and you just left them off your bet slip. Like that's a that's as good yeah. as a loss in some cases, really. All right. I will go to my second pick. Um, I'm going to take Brentford versus Crystal Palace uh, over two and a half. It's plus 105. Weirdly, this game to me screams like it's going to be under. Um, Crystal Palace did a pretty good job against Arsenal on Monday. Um, Arsenal were lucky to get a goal. Um, It was on a penalty kick. Uh, Odegaard managed to convert it, but uh, Crystal Palace defended really well. Uh, They they were clogging the box. They were preventing crosses from getting into any of the the runners um, from Arsenal's side. Arsenal couldn't really break them down. Um, and it just, it, it didn't seem like this was going to be a game that Arsenal was going to, you know, bag multiple goals. Um, and Arsenal is certainly more talented offensively than Brentford, although Brentford have scored, uh, I think five goals in their first two matches. I think that's a little bit of an anomaly, especially missing Ivan Tony. Um, but on the flip side, Crystal Palace also had a man advantage for most of the second half after, uh, Tomiyasu picked up a red card, uh, his second yellow. Um, and, and they, they did not look like they were close to scoring. Um, I think Edouard had a, a wide open header on goal that he he put closer to the corner flag than the goalpost. Um, so it, it seems like this is going to go under, but the books just don't have it that way. Like they they the the, the the odds just don't reflect that. Like I would have expected this to be a heavy under, and they just don't. So that tells me something's going on here. I'm gonna start to question it. Maybe the five goals that Brentford have scored in the first two matches aren't as much of an anomaly as I think they are. Um, and maybe Crystal Palace are just waiting to break out. I mean, Etze looked pretty decent, and maybe he has a, a, a great game in him um, this week. But um, it seems like one of those games where, like, all of the you know the, the, the public money is going to go onto the under because it's going to you know scream under to a lot of other people, and um, somehow the, the game goes over and the books win again. So I'm going to ride that and, and fade my initial thought one and five after all, uh, and take the over two and a half. Sometimes he's got to go with that feeling you have, right? And I, I think you said something important there. I think Brentford scoring five goals in the opening two matches, including two against Spurs in the opener, I think has a lot to do with that. Credit to them doing it without Ivan Tony too, right? While he's being investigated yeah. for the, the gambling stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, it's credit to Thomas Frank, right? He, he's, yeah. we talk about it sometimes like the manager makes the team. And, and in this case, he certainly is. Um, he hasn't missed a beat missing, you know, both his, his star striker and keeper, right? They just sold yeah. off uh, David Raya to, to Arsenal. So um, and, and maybe that helps in my favor as well, right? Maybe we get a, a keeper gaff um, for, for Brentford that gives us a goal, one, one closer to the over. Yeah. I'm going with a team that we we rode the first week to our pod lock. And then last week I took them getting um, double chance, uh, not getting double chance. I was going to say getting one and a half, but it was a double chance um, at City. Newcastle just couldn't get it done. They lost one nothing narrowly against City. Um, that was my first loss so far this season. I'm going back to Newcastle because they're plus 115 against Liverpool at home. Uh, I expect the Magpies to bounce back this weekend. I think Newcastle will win this match in the midfield, which is one of their strengths and one of Liverpool's weaknesses, right? Scotty's talked so much about the lack of midfield quality, and now Alexis McAllister is suspended for this one after his red card. I think that only amplifies Newcastle's advantage in, in the center of the park, and I'm riding the team of the pod to get a statement win here. There is some breaking news. McAllister's red card suspension was overturned. Was so overturned. I, I still was like the advantage, but it's it makes it a little little trickier. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I still think the midfield is advantage is, is in Newcastle's favor. Um, I think you're likely to see Endo start for Liverpool this this weekend. So 
you will see a full hope. I mean, I'm hoping that's the case. If they throw Gakpo back in the midfield again, then this is as good of a win as you'll get uh, this weekend. But I presume that they'll play with a true midfield three this time. Um, Vyatich was on the bench um, last weekend, so he might be getting closer to actually being able to play, which will help because he can play in that six uh, defensive mid position. Um, but even still, I mean, the, the offense for Liverpool, granted they scored three this weekend. Salah hasn't looked you know, lethal yet. Um, he hasn't quite gotten back up to his form that I think a lot of people expect from him. Um, I think Luis Diaz has been their best player um, outside of maybe Dominic Sobislai. Um, but, you know, through the center, Jota hasn't looked great. Um, you know, Gakpo has been playing out of position in midfield. Nunez didn't really even, I think he maybe got five minutes last weekend. Um, so I, this definitely seems like one where if you remember last year, Liverpool snaked two games from Newcastle. Um, I, I don't know how they managed to get six points from Newcastle last season. Um, but I, I know that Newcastle fans have this circled and, and they're certainly hoping to get revenge. So I like the pick. Um, I, I'm kind of going into this match as a Liverpool fan with my guard up. All right. I will close out my hat trick of picks with the other team in Liverpool, which is Everton. Um, we talked about how bad they looked uh, to start the season. Um, two two losses and two matches so far. They go home um, and they're playing against Wolverhampton. Uh, Moneyline, Everton are plus 125. So I get it. They have not looked good so far. The problem is they have maybe three or four matches to get this turned around because after international break, eight of their 12 remaining matches in this calendar year are against teams that are expected to finish in the top half of the table. So if they don't get some momentum going now, it's going to be a long second half or first half of the season for them. And, and they're going to have to do some something crazy in January to kind of turn it around because I'm expecting them to be in a pretty deep hole. Um, I think they do turn around Wolverhampton looked good against United, but you know, we haven't really talked about United. They were very close to being, you know, having one point in their first two matches as well. Um, just like Chelsea. So, uh, I don't know how much I'm going to read into that. They did get smacked this weekend. So maybe there's a little bit of, of hope for, for Everton here at home, get the crowd behind them and, uh, maybe they can pull out a win and, and give their, their fans a little bit of hope that maybe they're not going to be, uh, selling dwellers, seller dwellers, uh, the whole season. All right. I'm going with my club for this last one, Roma. Uh, right now, they're money line minus 115 at Hellas Verona. I love this number on my boys. Pellegrini and Dybala return after their yellow card suspension that carried over from last season. To, to join aside that, really looked sharp in attack last week compared to last season. Uh, had it not been for those two country of a wonder goals that I mentioned, Roma would have cruised to an easy win. I don't see anyone on Hellas that can do the same. So I think Roma's quality will win out here, especially with Villotti looking like his old self. And on, on his way to the brace last week, I think Dybala adds even more danger into the attack. I thought um, Osama Awar looked really good in the midfield, helping facilitate. I think he was something they were missing last year after Mkhitaryan left. So I like the number here. I know Hellas can be tough at home, but I'm not going to pass up on my boys at minus 115 when I thought they played pretty decent last week. Yeah, uh, Hellas Verona. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> we were longtime faders of them last season, and, and here we are again, fading them yet again. So um, I feel like we're really back into to mid-season form already. Um, All right. So Nick is not here, but he did give us his three picks with his notes. So, Scotty, we'll bounce back and forth. I'll take the first one here. It's Aston Villa, Moneyline, plus 110 at Burnley. This is something I considered myself, so I, this is a pick I really like. He asked which Villa are we going to see. He's hoping for the one that smashed Everton 4-0. And then he wrote this before the result today, another five-goal 
performance. So he says the only reason he thinks they're seeing this number is because Villa played today on Wednesday in the Europa League qualification. He's hoping the short turnaround doesn't hurt them, and he thinks playing Burnley should help. I love this number at plus 110, even if it is on the road. Yeah, it's interesting because Burnley did not play this weekend. Their match against Lutton Town was postponed because Lutton Town Stadium was not yet uh, finished and ready for Premier League action. So the only match we've seen from Burnley so far was them getting trounced by Manchester City, which is fair. Um, You know, I don't think anybody really expected them to to get much from that game. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. You know, they're the exact opposite. Villa coming off of a midweek match. Burnley haven't played in two weeks. So a real rest versus rust type uh, match here. Nick's second pick for this weekend, he's taking Monaco money line, which is minus 120 at Nantes. Monaco's off to a scorching hot start. They've won both of their matches so far in League One. Um, in both matches, they've managed to score at least three goals, seven goals in total. So really a, a strong side to kind of get on top of right now. Um, on the flip side, Nantes has, has yet to win. So although they're at home, they don't really have a, a great showing for it. Uh, really at minus 120, Nick is thinking this is just too good of a number for for anyone to pass up. All right, and he's going to Spain for his last one. So he said he is the new coach worldwide this week. He dubbed me that last week when I, um, last season when I went to the Bundesliga so often. So he's going all around Europe this week. He's going Valencia money line minus 110 against Osasuna. Valencia are often undefeated start. He says after two solid wins, we need to back the away side here. They're looking to stay hot and compete for top four this year. So he's riding about minus 110 on the money line. So he's riding uh, a lot of near even money bets here with sides that you don't always see it with. All right. And that brings us to our pod lock. Our pod lock is currently 2-0. and So we want to keep that undefeated going into week four. Um, for our third pod lock of the season, we're going to La Liga. And we're going to be taking Barcelona money line minus 105 at Villarreal. Um, a really nice number for for Barcelona. Uh, I mean, we know they they started off slow with a, a scoreless draw uh, against uh, Getafe. I think that was a match where where both teams uh, had red cards. Um, I think Barcelona picked up the first one with Rafinha, um, but they turned around. They had a two zero win against Cadiz um, last weekend. I think that form carries into this weekend at Villarreal. Um, minus 105, you're not going to see Barcelona getting that number in La Liga unless it's against one of the teams from Madrid um, much this season. Yeah, I think anytime you get Barcelona at just about even money and it's against one of the sides that is not Real Madrid or Atletico, like you said, I think you have to take it. I know Villarreal is, I think, also on four points so far, but it took them took them a lot to get that goal last week to, to win their match, and they did lose a lot of talent this offseason. So I like this one. I like Barcelona minus 105. You always got to take a, a chance on them at that number. All right, so that wraps up our locks of the week. We hope to continue with our third straight winning weekend of the season to open things up and get you guys some more cash with us. And uh, that takes us to our state of the uh, club, Napoli, this week. It's uh, Damaputo. Nick took that interview, recorded ahead of time last week. So it was before Napoli's first match of the season so if there's anything that seems a, a little off timing wise that is why we held it for this week uh just for editing purposes so state of the club is back with the defending steady champs and we'll take it to that interview now and if you're watching on youtube thanks for joining us and if you want to hear the interview you can hear it on our full-length episode either here on youtube or on your favorite pod platform all right, we're bringing on our very special guest friend of the podcast personal friend of mine all around good dude, Dom Apuzzo. Dom, 
brother, really appreciate you coming on. We are going to get down with some Napoli talk, our state of the club series. Um, brother, I just, before we kick off uh, talking about the team, let's talk about you for a little bit. Uh, as I said, just a personal friend. Uh, we we banter a lot on Twitter. You are one of the leaders on Calcio Twitter with this banter, making me laugh day in, day out. I want to know what brought you to this squad? What put Napoli in your heart? Uh, well, good morning, Nick, my Thanks. brother. Thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks for having me, man. Um, real quick on the, how I became a fan, I uh, started following the the Italian national team. Uh, really became a soccer fan in 2006. Uh, was kind of kind of lost in club football. So many teams didn't know, you know, which club I was gonna pick. Uh, decided to do some research. Uh, followed my roots, found, you know, I was like, you know what, well, my mom is from, uh, her side of the family is from Naples, so I'm going to rock with Naples. And then, uh, yeah, I became a Napoli fan. Uh, and then moving forward, uh, just started following Napoli and Napoli football. You know, it's been, it's been, there's been some rough years. Uh, now we're, uh, we're enjoying the, uh, the fruits of our labor. And yeah, basically that's how I became a fan. So I want to talk quickly about your trips out there this year. Cause I know, uh, you know, we were following the Chronicles on Twitter. Uh, you were able to get out there for your very first game, probably the game of the season for Napoli. Uh, you know, I'm sure it was the game of the season for you. Obviously got to see a Scudetto and uh, you, you went back. Like you loved it so much. Uh, just talk a little bit about the city, if you don't mind, and your experience out there. Yeah, my uh, first trip out there, was in was in January. Amazing, uh, like you said, it was a uh, it was an historic match for us. First time in the city, first time at the stadium for me. There was a trip that I was planning for years, and finally had the opportunity to get out there. Man, you know it's it's kind of sad how Napoli kind of gets this as the stigma about being a. Uh, you know, a bad city, crime and all that nonsense. Um, I went to the city. I had an amazing time. The food is delicious. It's cheap. The people are, they embrace you. I, I One thing I noticed about Napoli fans from the city is that they love seeing Americans repping their team. It's something that they... Had people come up to me like, "Where are you from?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, I'm uh, I live in New York. I'm from over there." Like, "Why do you in Napoli?" And I was like, "My mom is from here." They just embracing me, and it was just amazing everywhere I went. Um, walking into the stadium for the first time, it was just it's it's like how they say, you know, you you get this this overwhel- overwhelming feeling. Uh, the goosebumps, you know, not gonna lie, maybe uh, one or two tears, you know, drop down my cheek. Um, walking into that match, I uh, I was like, man, you know, I hope you come out of here with a W. It's you know, it's Juventus, and man, it was just an amazing, amazing match. The atmosphere, just seeing both Pulvas completely activated. 
it was just it was just an amazing time. And then you know that five one, you know that five one beat down, just that was the cherry on top, bro. For you sure. Know? Yeah. Love so amazing it. overall, brother. Like it was awesome. So then, um, I uh, decided that you know I was like, listen, we had a good lead at that time. Uh, I was like, if we're gonna win this league, I have to come back. I have to come back to to, to celebrate. And my good friend Ben Bowen, huge Napoli fan, he lives out there. Uh, I went back. I spent two weeks with him and his son Mario. We we not only were went to Napoli, but we went to Milan. We went to Florence. No, I mean not Florence. We went to Venice, we had a, an amazing time. Then, towards the end, one week left in our vacation, we went to uh, Napoli. And brother, it was just, it was just amazing. Yeah, I, I was so lucky to have the opportunity to be at that match. A lot of people weren't didn't didn't get tickets in time. Sure. Um, yeah, it was just an amazing time, brother. Just being out there celebrating. You know, I mean the the city was celebrating already two, for two months that we already had the league in, in our pocket. So, but still it, the atmosphere was insane, bro. Insane. Love it. So uh, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, I think once in a lifetime that you were able to be out there at those times. So happy for you for sure. So um, let's, let's quickly take a look back on last season. I mean, won the Scudetto what, first time in 30 years. Um, I mean, I can't imagine you're seeing this season as a failure. Maybe fell a little bit short in some of the other competitions. The Coppa Italia was a little bit of a shock loss. Uh, and then that quarterfinals in the Champions League probably stung a little bit. But give me the overall assessment uh, of last year. Uh, my assessment, in, in, in terms of the league, I, if you would have told me last summer that we were going to win, not only win the league, but we were going to win the league by 16 points, I would have been like, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so that was, I, I me walked, when we signed Casparotti and Simeone, that's when I was like, okay, we definitely have a shot to win this, to win the league. Like, I didn't know, I didn't think Gavada was going to have such an explosive first season. Um, but, I did, in my mind, I was like, you know, we have a shot. Um, so that's that. That's my that, that was my feeling about the league, Champions League. Well, you know, reaching the quarterfinals for the first time was huge. Yep. We've never been there, right? So, right there, you know. It's an amazing thing, but it's also kind of working against us. You know, you get the butterflies in the stomach. You know, you got your emotions are are running high. To be honest, the the result after two legs ended two one, which wasn't bad at all. And let's not forget that that ref, which right now is not allowed to call any Champion League games, did a horrible job. He basically took out Kim and took out Angusia for us yep. with highly questionable yellow cards. So, and that then score was still 1 0. So it wasn't like we sure. got massacred. 
the second leg, we weren't clinical enough. Um, we all know what happened. And uh, to be honest, we didn't have our we didn't have our best player on the field for the first leg, and you know that hurt us. So, me being optimistic, I think that the way we went out wasn't wasn't bad at all. Would I would would I would have liked to reach the semifinals? Obviously, of course, yeah. But hey, you know, we we made it to where we made it. It's in the past, and now we have that experience on our jersey now. So now, you know, we're going back into the Champions League this this year. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. That experience gained while dominating Serie A. Uh, I don't think you could put a price on that. So I think you're in a good position going forward. Uh, the one last thing I want to say, Spalletti, outstanding job. Obviously, I think um, Calcio fans are probably happy for him to finally shed a little bit of that reputation to get over the hump to win that title. Um, but now he's gone. So I want to get your thoughts on the appointment of Rudy Garcia. I've been pretty critical of him. Uh, I think he's a guy that hasn't done much, especially lately. He had a terrible spell with Roma and Serie A last time. Uh, he was very recently in the Saudi league. Couldn't get it done there. I, I think his last title was in like 2010 in France. So this was even before some of the PSG super teams. How's the fan base feeling about this appointment? First of all, Nick, you're a Lasio fan, so yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised at all that you know your 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 criticism of Rudy is a little bit, little <laughs> maybe, bit, little bit maybe harsh. a little biased. <laughs> I understand. I get it. So let me see. On Garcia, believe it or not, I'm very excited about this signing. Yeah, Faletti did an amazing job. You cannot take that away from from the guy. Um, we kind of got figured out. I mean, there's reason, you know, there, there's there's uh, theories out there why we kind of like two months, two months into like the last tail of the season, those two months, we kind of got figured out. You could say that Napoli basically were playing for nothing at that point. So there was the, the motivation of the squad wasn't at 100%. I kind of see it maybe being that, but I also kind of see that other teams kind of figured us out. And Spalletti wasn't adjusting to, to, to that type of method because in his mind, I'm th- this is what I'm thinking. Well, our, my system's not broken, so why should I fix it? We already have the league. Let's just keep rocking the way we are. Now, Rudy Garcia coming in kind of has like a similar style as Palletti when it comes to attacking football. He has his he has certain differences when when, when it comes to his tactics. Um, touching back on his days with Roma, his first season, Roma contended for the title against a powerhouse Juventus. Um, I think they ended that season with 85 points. The second season, also they fell into, they ended in second place. So I'm going off of those two seasons. Uh, he didn't do a bad job. Yes, that third season, he, he got sacked and it's like he came in. I truly think a coach at, at this, at, at the stage that 
Rudy and Spalek, PR, they are as strong as their squad. Yeah. Look at what Spalek did with 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 Napoli. He, he couldn't he couldn't do that with Roma. He couldn't do that with Inter. But he did it with Napoli, and you know he took the lead in, in March. So uh, Rudy, in my opinion, the only thing the, what he has to do is he has to follow Spalletti's blueprint and he has to make certain tweaks. Like I mentioned earlier, he kind of got figured out. Galvado is getting doubled, sometimes yep. triple teamed. Uh, there was, we had no, basically we had no, no attack threat on the right side. Yeah, definitely. So, and then, you know, Zielinski was on and off, uh, we we didn't have our we didn't have our left back overlapping, so it was just it was just Gavaro's getting jammed and boom that that was kind of like where our attack on that left side just came to a halt. So I've been watching the uh, uh, friendlies, and for example, Garcia has to place Gaspardo right wing. I like his methods. He he has this he has this tactic that. He brings in his wingers. They kind of drift towards the center. And then our fullbacks make forward runs, almost kind of like playing a winger role. So, and I saw some, I saw some, some nice things there. So to, to wrap it all up on that topic, Rudy is a, is the question mark because we all, we, yeah, we lost him, but Rudy, it really depends on what he does and how he approaches our opponents. So I'm, I'm very excited, and I think he's going to do act. I, I actually think he's going to do a, a good job. Okay, appreciate that. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the mercato. Um, you mentioned Kim being out. Um, what's going on in terms of a replacement? Uh, you know, you kept most of the squad intact so far, which I think is great. But um, talk to me about any areas of need. Uh, I know there's been rumors about Coop Miners. There's been rumors about uh, this Gabri Viega or from Celta Vigo. Uh, I think Coop Miners would be would probably potentially put you guys over the top if it happens. Uh, Zielinski maybe going to Saudi Arabia. Now they're saying his wife doesn't want to leave, so he could be staying. What's going on? Give me the real deal story on the summer because you know I feel like as a if you're not a fan of a team you don't really know what's true and what's not right. I'm seeing rumors left and right. Uh, I, I don't have a pulse on any one team outside of what's going on with Lazio. Talk to me about what's going on this summer. So with the Kim replacement, we pretty much as far as I'm as far as I know we we already signed his replacement. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I don't know if it's Nathan or Nathan Nathan, yeah. Nathan or I don't know how to pronounce his name. Forgive me for that. Uh, Brazilian prospect. Uh, did some, reviewed some tape on him. He, uh, he I mean, to replace Kim is it's, it's going to be, I mean, come on, you know, that's, that's going to be very hard. But also, Kim came in and, 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 and did a good job replacing uh, K2. So, you know, reviewing tape on him, uh, he brings that, that physicality. physicality. He, he can't body the guy. Guy's big. He's athletic. He knows how to mark his man. Has good positional awareness. Uh, he, actually, he, he also likes playing the long ball. 
He, he knows how to, you know, he knows how to find his wingers. One question mark, he's kind of careless with his tackles. Yep. And that's a big concern to me, especially on the counters. I see him, I, I saw him taking some risky, risky tackles where the defense, you know, if you have a, a, a good, a good winger or a, a good, uh, a good striker, you can go right past them. You know what I mean? So maybe that's something he needs to adjust in his game. Now that he's playing in one of the five top leagues sure. in the world. Uh, so that remains to be seen. Other than that, well, I mean, everything else we just have to we just have to see how he, you know, how he fits in. Uh Zelinsky, it looks like he's staying. It looks like yep. he's locked in. So that tells me that Coop from I like I like calling him Coop. Coop from Atalanta won't be coming. Because then we kind of be overstacked in that position. Okay. Uh Viega is coming. From what I from what I've been reading, should be coming. That announcement should be dropping next week. I love the kid. Uh, he's young. He's dangerous, and I think he's going to fit in our system well. But we have to give him some time to fit into that system. So I see. I see. Uh, I, I don't see him starting off the bat, but I do see him coming in and being very effective as the season goes. Okay. Cool. Um. Let's talk very quickly about ownership and management. We got De Laurentiis, one of the superstar owners, right? This guy is larger than life. He finally brought this title to Napoli. Uh, I want your thoughts on him and then what's going on with the sporting director position because Juntali has left to Juventus and uh, he's cleaning up a little bit of their mess right now. So talk to me about ownership management are you happy with the direction what's going on there so brother i don't know if you've seen it but i'm pro adl right now yeah to me the guy right now he's the goat out of the owners in the league right now as it stands i go off of last year's performance with players with staff with management what ADO managed to do, losing three of our top players last summer and coming in and replacing our players and replacing them wisely when it comes to, to performance and when it comes to how much we're paying them, he's, I mean, the, the old man is, 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 is performed miracles. Uh, I really do think that ADL does not get enough respect, still doesn't get a, enough respect from a, a good piece of our fan base. And it's understandable, you know, I mean, because of past, past incidents and the way he speaks sometimes, he does not know how to say the right thing. But other than that, I'm, I really don't look at that. I look at the, the product on the field. And I go up of last year, and I mean, come on, you know, the, you yep. can't the, the performance and the numbers, you, you can't debate. Now our sporting director, our ex sporting director, hey, went went straight to to the rival. Uh, I don't wish him the best, obviously, but uh, 
he also, you know, you can't take anything away from him. He had a, a lot to do with that team that was assembled last year. But he also has a lot of misses, you know, and a couple of misses he has is bringing in Manolas, for example. Manolas, oh. Verdi, Bacayoko. I mean, there's a list of misses that he's had. I mean, every sporting director has their miss. But I think that uh, this theory that we lost him is going to be a huge hit for us. I really don't think that's the case. Are, are, are we going to see, are we going to feel his, his presence not being there anymore? Perhaps. But now I'm looking at the movements that we're making this summer. And from what I'm seeing, you know, we're 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 still we're still rolling. So that that prediction I can't make until the end of the season. See how our signings go, sure. and and all that good stuff. So I'll hit you with a parallel when it comes to Lazio because for five, six, seven years I've been saying I can't wait for their sporting director to get fired, Iglitare. I hated that guy. He had his list of misses is as big as anybody in the league. And um, they finally fire him, right? He didn't get along with Saudi, apparently. Um, and for the first month and a half of the market, nothing was happening. So in my head, I'm like, all right, was I wrong? Was was uh, Lotito really the 100% the problem here? But then they've started to turn it around. They've made some good signings. They got some good loans. They have didn't spend a lot of money. And I think uh, Napoli and Lazio are, are very good at that compared to a lot of the other bigger clubs who are just – flashing money whenever they can. So um, maybe being a fan of these teams has taught us a little bit of patience. And and I think uh, it's, you know, it makes it a little more special when you hit on a good player, when somebody like Cavada comes out of nowhere, right? There's not a person on the planet who knew who this guy was before he signed up for Napoli. So uh, I think it's cool to see. And, and hopefully you guys will stay along that same path. Um. All right, so let's let's start to wrap this up. Let's talk about this coming season kicks off this week, or depending on when you're listening to this, may have just kicked off. Uh, give me give me your honest to god goals and expectations for Napoli this year. What are you hoping for? My expectations, um, I obviously expect a repeat. I mean, yeah. we only lost ten, and uh, we have like I said, Garcia is a big question mark. But if he does his job, I don't see why not. I'm just looking at the other teams and the signings they've made and the gap that was that was there after last season. We're talking about, you know, the closest team that got to us was 16 points. He was 16 points behind. So there's a huge gap there. Um, Serie A, I'm, I'm expecting the Scudetto. Champions League. I'm expecting semifinals. Just looking at the pots, and we're sitting in pot one. I'm seeing that uh, hopefully we'll have Osimhen for a good chunk of the Champions League, unlike last year. So semifinals there. Copa. I'm gonna go on. Uh, I'm gonna go on the edge, and I'm gonna say that we're gonna win the Copa this year as well. So Scudetto, Copa champs, semifinals in the Champions. All right. I love it, man. Backs his team all the time. So that's, you, that's how we roll around. That's man. it, man. Uh, I appreciate the, the passion the fan base has. So uh, 
Dude, I appreciate it. That's that's probably going to wrap this up. Thank you for letting us know what's going on, for telling your story. Uh, for anybody that's listening, if you don't already follow Dom, Dom, please let them know where they can find you. And uh, this man loves to interact, so please give him a shout. Yeah, you'll find me on uh, my, my Twitter handle is Dom Apuzo. So, uh, yeah, feel free uh, to interact. I love the banter. And I just love talking about uh, Serie A and, and Napoli. And, then, you know, I love slandering Juventus. That's, that's how we roll around that's, here. That's why we're all here. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you again for coming on. And uh, we'll certainly have you back for, for a big game this year. Thank you, Nick, bro. Had an amazing time and uh, hope to be on the show again, brother. Appreciate it, dude.